I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Now, you might ask, have you had any super spreader events down on the range? And I would say, heck yeah, we have. We have them all the time. But we're just spreading truth and freedom. In fact, if you're not infected, you can't even find the range. It's high noon. For Tuesday, July 20th, 2021, follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com and if for some reason that doesn't work, go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 181st day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who was overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You have your story and you're sticking to it. The only problem is you can't actually tell the whole thing without saying a bunch of things that your story expressly forbids. Most people would recognize that as a problem. But if you're just repeating the slogans and have no idea what the slogans mean or how they connect to one another, you're going to run into problems. And the truth is, you know that. And that's why you never try to tell the whole story. Even though you say you know it and people ask you to tell them, that's when you get mad and leave the room. And if you've experienced that enough times, your brain is probably hurting a little bit. And if you've had that happen enough times, you're probably thinking, hey, some of these slogans don't seem quite right. Maybe I should stop repeating them. And if you're to that point, that's wonderful because you might be redeemable. And that makes this a perfect time to extend a warm Tuesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. I don't know how you found me. Maybe you hopped aboard a billionaire's rocket to space and up there, you were confronted by an alien that said, hey, Kami, maybe it's time to redeem yourself. And so you parachuted right on back down to Earth, waited for the shuttle bus to arrive, which was, of course, an Amazon Prime delivery truck. And you drove that straight back home. You put on the podcast app and you said, hey, it's time to get redeemable. That would be such a... A mark of progress for you, Kami. I would be really very, very happy for you. Because, you see, all you have to do is get through 
one hour of having your ideas mocked and ridiculed, but only because they're very stupid and evil. And once you get through that, you do it a couple more times and you start thinking, hey, how did I come to believe so many stupid and evil ideas? And at that point, Kami, you are basically ready to migrate back to America where we will all welcome you with open arms that I can promise you doesn't matter your race or your religion or your gender or what you do in the bedroom because we don't care at all. What more can I say? It's completely welcoming. Come on back to America. Make sure that you leave all those very stupid and evil communist ideas back in whatever crazy commie country you're from. That fantasy land you know so well. And we're going to be so happy to see you. Just make some amends. Admit you were wrong. And say, hey, you know what? I'm committed to this American project too. And I sure would like if I didn't have to profess my hatred for all my fellow citizens all the time. And we would say, yeah, no kidding, commie. That's why we're here too. We actually don't want to be part of your hate movement. And I know you're like, wait a second, I'm not in a hate movement. That's everybody else who doesn't agree with me. Those are the real people I hate. Wait a second, Kami, I gotcha. You hate them. Why is that? Because you're in a hate movement. You think the only hate movement is the KKK? Well, Kami, let me straighten you out. That's still you. That's right, Kami. Those are also Democrats. The guy you voted for was mentored by a Klansman. Am I lying? Nope. Misinformed? Not at all. That's you. Your fake president, Joe Biden, who you went right on down to Mark Zuckerberg's Dropbox. You put your little ballot into that box and you had... Joe Biden, communist, mentored by a Klansman, marked off. And you thought that you were making the choice that all the smart and moral people make. How does that work? It's confusing, right? How is it possible to be the smart and moral person while voting for a man who has sold his political office to the highest bidder at the expense of the American citizens for 50 years. How is it possible to vote for a man who's completely compromised by the Chinese Communist Party that has 2 million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps right now and is threatening to take over Taiwan after already having done the same in Hong Kong? And, you know, they employ slave labor to build all the things you buy on Amazon. How's that possible? How's it possible you voted for a man who was mentored by legitimate Klansman Robert Byrd, who filibustered the Civil Rights Act and voted against the Voting Rights Act? And then just a few years later, six, seven years later, starts mentoring Joe Biden. How's that possible you did that, commie, while being so smart and moral? That's the part I'm confused about. Oh, I know. You were dragon slaying. And when you're dragon slaying, You're the hero no matter what. And that dragon, he was so scary. He tweeted things you didn't understand. Very scary. He made the economy way better. 
You just thought that was you. He didn't get into any wars. You used to like that. I guess not anymore. But hey, people change. And he was voted into office by the American people twice. It's pretty messed up. I know. But thank goodness you were there to go out dragon slaying with your righteous sword. We're all very sorry it didn't turn out in your favor. All the benefits you thought you would receive from slaying that dragon are never coming to pass. And I know it sucks. It's very disappointing. The good thing is all of us, we're going to correct that problem for the good of the entire country, including you communists. You guys will actually benefit from the fact that all of us have taken it upon ourselves to try to right this situation with absolutely no help from you and tons of obstruction as you support a regime that works with corporations to censor the speech of individuals. You know what they used to call that, Kami? When an illegitimate regime would collude with corporations to censor and oppress the people? Well, they used to call that fascism. And I know, I know. You were told that fascism was a right-wing ideology, and so was Nazism, even though it's literally national socialism. And you don't think you're a commie at all because, you know, commies are bad. Commies are in China and Russia, and they oppress and starve the people, and they treat all the citizens like slaves, and they lock them up without trials, and they use the justice system to control behavior. And they do the censoring and they push their citizens into poverty. Oh, wait, that's what Joe Biden's doing. You see how it all comes around? It's crazy. I know. Hard to understand how being the smart and moral people you are, you could have made such an enormous mistake. But it happened. You chose some really bad heroes. And here's one of them. Let's check in with Nazi doctor Anthony Fauci. And this is going to take a minute because I want to play the entire exchange today with Rand Paul. So if you already heard it, you can go ahead and fast forward about five minutes because I'm just going to let it roll. 001 of the U.S. Criminal Code creates a felony and a five-year penalty for lying to Congress. On your last trip to our committee on May 11th, you stated that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And yet, gain-of-function research was done entirely in the Wuhan Institute by Dr. Xi and was funded by the NIH. I'd like to ask unanimous consent to insert into the record the Wuhan virology paper entitled Discovery of a Rich Gene Pool of Bat SARS-Related Coronaviruses. Please deliver a copy of the journal article to Dr. Fauci. In this paper, Dr. Xi credits the NIH and lists the actual number of the grant that she was given by the NIH. In this paper, she took two bat coronavirus genes, spike genes, and combined them with a SARS-related backbone to create new viruses that are not found in nature. 
These lab-created viruses were then to shown to replicate in humans. These experiments combine genetic information from different coronaviruses that infect animals but not humans to create novel artificial viruses able to infect human cells. Viruses that in nature only infect animals were manipulated in the Wuhan lab to gain the function of infecting humans. This research fits the definition of the research that the NIH said was subject to the pause in 2014 to 2017, a pause in funding on gain of function. But the NIH failed to recognize this, defines it away, and it never came under any scrutiny. Dr. Richard E. Bright, a molecular biologist from Rutgers, described this research in Wuhan as, the Wuhan lab used NIH funding to construct novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses able to infect human cells and laboratory animals. This is high-risk research that creates new potential pandemic pathogens, potential pandemic pathogens that exist only in the lab, not in nature. This research matches, these are Dr. Ebright's words, this research matches, indeed epitomizes, the definition of gain-of-function research done entirely in Wuhan for which there was supposed to be a federal pause. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress. Microphone. Your microphone. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. So what was, let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans, right. you're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. You do not know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH. one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function. This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. They took animal viruses that only occur in animals, and they increased their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance, and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for 4 million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. And let's let Dr. Fauci. I have to, well, now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2, that's where you are getting let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. It didn't I come from the lab, but you, all the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab, you, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally This committee resent, will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator, because if you look at the viruses that were used in the experiments that were given in the annual reports that were published in the literature, 
It is molecularly impossible. No one's saying those it, viruses it is, caused it. It no is molecularly. Those virus caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is that gain of function research was going on in that lab and NIH funded it. That you is can't not. Get away from it. It meets your definition and you are obfuscating the truth. I'm not obfuscating the truth. Senator you Paul's are the one. Time is expired, but I will allow the witness to. Let me just finish. I want everyone to understand that if you look at those viruses, and that's judged by qualified virologists and evolutionary biologists. Those viruses are molecularly impossible no one's to result they are. No in SARS-CoV-2. the pandemic. Paul, we're look. saying they are gain-of-function viruses because they were They're animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And you, you admit the truth. And you implying. Senator Paul, your time has expired, and I will allow witnesses right. who come before this committee to respond. And, and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual. I totally resent and could that. Have and if anybody and is lying here, Senator, it is you. There you have it. Nazi doctor Anthony Fauci is very mad about someone challenging his authorita. And he has doubled down on the obvious falsehood that the research conducted did not qualify as gain-of-function research, even though it fits his exact definition of gain-of-function research as Rand Paul read out to him. Fauci is basically saying... Trust the experts. He's saying that he had a panel of experts in the field, virologists and evolutionary biologists, agree with him that that's not gain-of-function research. I would be very interested to see who was on that list of very qualified experts and then try to determine how much grant money was directed their way by Anthony Fauci through the NIH, his organization, the NIAID, which is under the NIH, and then through sub-organizations like the EcoHealth Alliance run by Peter Daszak. That is what he just said. He's trying to be very careful to say that a subgroup, a subcontractor, I think he called it, was the one who distributed that money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Therefore, it's not his fault. But even if it was his fault, don't worry, because it's not gain of function, even though it is gain of function by his own definition. He's got experts, though, and his experts take his side, and so he's not lying to Congress even though he obviously is. And of course, on the communist cable news tonight, they will be showing only the clips of Anthony Fauci yelling at Rand Paul. And they will imagine that his incensed confusion is just righteous indignation because he can't even believe that someone would ever question how many lives he's saving, even though it's zero and even though his death toll is in the hundreds of thousands or higher, depending on how far back we go. 
And later on, I think it was uh, Senator Braun who was questioning him. He asked about whether or not it was appropriate for the tech companies to be censoring and to be doing the bidding of the Biden administration in terms of what they are censoring. And of course, Fauci said, well, you know, that's not my field of expertise. I am just a humble vaccine merchant. I wouldn't know about censorship, even though we have an email record of him talking to Mark Zuckerberg about how Mark Zuckerberg might be able to help get only the right message out there. The hearing was basically what all of these are, which is a mess and often a missed opportunity. I don't know why anyone can't lay out a series of questions that will illustrate Anthony Fauci's hypocrisy in the moment. It's always asking him about something else, and then he obfuscates, and then hopefully next time they'll nail him down. And this is one of the most frustrating things about these hearings, even when someone like Rand Paul steps up and does a fairly admirable job. It's still not good enough. I don't know why, after all of this time, they can't ask him simple questions and make him break his own narrative in real time. It's really, really annoying to me and very hard to watch. But one good moment of the hearing today, uh, Roger Marshall was questioning Dr. Woodcock of the FDA and Dr. Walensky of the CDC. Thank you. Dr. Woodcock, how many children under the age of 18 without a pre-existing condition, a significant health condition, have died from COVID in this country? I don't, I don't have that at my fingertips. I'm sorry. Dr. Woodcock. Over, over 400. Without, pre, without health oh, that condition? I don't, I, that I don't so know. So I think without. the answer is probably zero. So I think if you, if you take a deep dive, most of the children that have died had some type of underlying health condition. Got that? Zero. The director of the CDC, the director of the FDA, could not conclusively say that one single person under 18 in this country died from the coronavirus without other significant comorbidities, significant life-threatening health issues that they were already dealing with. So they've got 400 kids. And right before that little clip, Walensky was talking about how, yeah, well, you know, people might say that it's only 400 out of these 600,000, but 400 is not a small number because kids are not supposed to die. Well, okay. That's a great point. Kids are not supposed to die, but they don't have, they cannot cite on command a single case of someone under 18 dying from the coronavirus without it being caused by something else. They're exploiting the 400 and saying that it's a huge number of children. Therefore, we need to vaccinate all of them, even though they can't cite a single time that someone under 18 has died from the coronavirus. That's incredible. We know for a fact that Boys under the age of 18 have had heart inflammation from this. And who knows what the long-term consequences are. 
We know that the VAERS numbers are exploding. It's at least 11,000, but probably far higher. There was a case filed in federal court yesterday by the frontline doctors that cite a CDC data analyst who says that that number is at least 45,000 deaths from the COVID vaccine. But nonetheless, they better take it anyway, because the threat of the disease is just too great. We've got very scary variants flying around everywhere. Now we have a sixth idiot from Texas who fled the state to avoid doing their job, who has tested positive for the coronavirus. They also have a Nancy Pelosi aide and a White House aide who have taken part in the Texas Democrat Communist field trip super spreader event. And all of them, of course, are fully vaccinated. Isn't that shocking? Eight people in a small group of people, you would have to think hmm, less than 100. I think there's 50 some odd Texas communists who left for this PR stunt. Out of them, six have come down with the coronavirus so far. And two other people in that circle that we know of have been infected, including people close to the fake president and close to the communist speaker of the house for now until the elections get straightened out. And speaking of these brave soldiers who retreated rather than doing their job, but they're only retreating to save voter rights. Let's hear from Rachel Maddow. His political supporters at his presidential campaign lunch And he really did have five different cabinet secretaries referred for federal criminal prosecution while he was still serving his only one term as president. While he continues to both lead the Republican Party and insist that the last election result wasn't real and shouldn't count. Republicans are using his lie about the last election to justify restricting voting rights all over the country. Democrats are still trying to make some kind of progress toward defending voting rights against the Republican attack, although Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia appeals, appears determined to stop his own party from doing that. Today, there were dozens of women arrested on the street in Washington, D.C., between the U.S. Capitol and the U.S. Supreme Court. This was a women-led protest with the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, involving Indivisible and lots of other groups um, engaged in civil disobedience to press for the Senate to pass the For the People Act. This is part of what they're calling a summer of direct action to try to remove the impediments to passing that voting rights legislation in Washington. Again, dozens of women arrested today in Washington pressing for the For the People Act. So she names two groups in there who are involved in this summer of direct action. And let's remember what direct action means. Eventually, it means Black Lives Matter and Antifa and these kinds of groups out in the streets of blue cities across the country engaging in violence. We've seen it before. We will see it again very soon. The two groups she mentions. One is the Poor People's Campaign. Can you guess who funds 
the poor people's campaign. Well, this is from The Blaze on June 9th, 2021. The headline is group backed by George Soros, House Democrats, pushes for radical socialist third reconstruction. How interesting. And the article is about how they are kicking off their campaign. They call it a moral march against Democratic Senator Joe Manchin because he's not willing to blow up the filibuster to pass H.R. 1, which would federalize elections and basically make it so that the people in power can decide forever who gets elected to continue holding power. The other group, what do we have? Indivisible. Now, who started Indivisible? Who is Indivisible's main guy? Well, that's none other than Barack Obama. Indivisible is Barack Obama's partner in his organization called Organizing for Action. And last fall, that group, as outlined in the major Time Magazine article by Molly Ball about the conspiracy, the cabal that planned for the post-election period. And this stuff was laid out in the Transition Integrity Project last year and was the very thing that Michael Anton was writing about last year in his piece from late last August or early September called The Coming Coup. This is a tweet from Paul Sperry on November 3rd of last year. Breaking, Obama's OFA partner, Indivisible, has organized more than 500 protests across the country for November 4th in the event Trump wins tonight. And this is from uh, 100% Fed Up. In a new Facebook post, OFA, that's Organizing for Action, calls on activists to mobilize against Republicans. The manual published with OFA partner Indivisible advises protesters to go into halls quietly so as not to raise alarms and grab seats at the front of the room, but do not all sit together. Rather, spread out in pairs to make it seem like the whole room opposes the Republican host's positions. This will help reinforce the impression of broad consensus. It also urges them to ask hostile questions while keeping a firm hold on the mic and loudly boo the GOP politician if he isn't giving you real answers. And just for fun, here is a tweet from Mina Harris, Kamala Harris's niece, on November 3rd of last year. I've never seen so many people say how scared they are about post-election violence. I've never seen cities boarded up on election day in preparation for violence. This is what Trump has done to our country. We must defeat him overwhelmingly. Now, isn't that interesting that Mina Harris is concerned about violence and she is citing the boarding up of the windows of businesses in Democrat communist stronghold cities around the country in preparation of potentially Trump-related violence. Did we see any Trump-related violence? No, we didn't. Do we know who planned protests all around the country? Yes, we do. It's Barack Obama and his organizations, right? So Rachel Maddow just cited the 
summer of direct action and named one organization that is funded by George Soros and another organization that's directed by Barack Obama. And of course, those two organizations are working together. Well, what could that mean? Does that mean George Soros and Barack Obama are working together? Well, by golly, yes, it does. And Rachel Maddow is emphasizing that these are women who are being arrested. Oh, my God. You can't arrest the women when they're breaking the law. That's sexist. But let's go a little further here. The Texas Democrats ostensibly left Texas because they did not want to vote or did not want to be present for the vote over minor voting restrictions in Texas. They're not going all the way. They didn't go all the way in Georgia. They're not actually trying to go all the way in any of these places. The communists should be happy that they still have so many avenues for fraud left in front of them. They're pretending that this is MAGA getting its way in these states. They are all doing Donald Trump's dirty bidding. Well, No, they're not. Because what we want is all paper ballots and everybody to vote on the same day with some exceptions and voter ID so that we actually know a person is attached to the vote, which we can see in Arizona and Georgia and elsewhere is simply not the case. So none of these voting restrictions go nearly far enough. And this has absolutely nothing to do with race. And anyone who is taking this conversation seriously should know that. I'll say it again. The point is to make voting as strict as possible without disenfranchising anyone. Voting should be secure. People should not be able to cast other people's votes. People should not be able to cast votes for people who are dead or don't exist or aren't legally allowed to vote. This is simple stuff. Voter ID is not racist. Voter ID is not disenfranchising. But let's take the last step. And the last step is this. I mentioned it yesterday. A bill was presented to the Texas legislature to demand full forensic audits in Texas's 13 most populous counties. That is why I believe that the 50-some-odd Democrat communists fled the state. That's the bill they don't want voted on. Because when that happens, Democrats are in a world of pain. If that bill passes, if Texas begins the process of forensically auditing the 13 most populous counties in this state, they will find rampant fraud. Seth Keschel did the work on the registrations and those trends, and he estimates nearly 600,000 fake votes in Texas. And again, it's kind of like the computer stuff. That's one element. There can actually be a lot more because he is relying in some sense on the voter registrations being accurate. And we know they're not, you know, the trend is one factor and hopefully Seth will come on the podcast and we'll be able to talk about this because I've talked to him a little bit about it, but 
I would like to take that conversation further in terms of whether or not the voter registration analysis he's doing catches all of it. I think it catches a big chunk of it, and it definitely shows the trends, but it doesn't catch all of it because we know that they've been rigging the voter registries for a long time. Now, the Texas Democrats have been gone for what, a week, more than a week. They planned on being gone for a few weeks. They could potentially be gone all the way through the middle of August. And I imagine they're trying to run out the clock on some things and delay some things. What does Rachel Maddow say if somehow it's announced that Texas is going to forensically audit their 13 most populous counties? That would be a complete and total meltdown. What can they do about it? Texas is a red state. It's no longer about Donald Trump winning at that point. So there goes that excuse. You can't add any electoral votes to Donald Trump's total by auditing Texas. So what's she going to say? What are they trying to catch, Rachel? She already flipped out about Oklahoma potentially doing a full audit. And with what Dr. Frank said over the weekend, it sounds like they have audits ready to pop up in a whole lot of places. So what are the Texas Democrats really doing by fleeing their responsibility? I think they're trying to stop more audits. And knowing that they can't actually stop the audits, it sounds like they're just trying to delay it long enough so that this narrative can still play out, which would work toward their advantage. They're against a deadline of sorts. At some point, these Democrats are going to hit a wall. And there will be nothing after that. The narrative will have completely changed. They can hold it off for a while. They can create violence in the streets. They can create various kinds of false flags, whether they're economic or new cyber attacks or shootings. And they'll try all of them. Who knows? Maybe they'll even wag the dog all the way into a war somewhere in the world. A confrontation with China over Taiwan, maybe. China is now threatening to, once again, threatening to nuke Japan if Japan tries to defend Taiwan. And of course, the U.S. would have to defend Japan. That's where we are with things. But the state media and the Democrat Communist Party are simply trying to win the narrative day by day right now. They're taking it a day at a time. Every day that they can take the country's eyes off what's happening in the audits and not allow these narratives to get out is a win for them. And sometimes they actually do accomplish that goal. The rest of what's going on for them is terrible. But that's the priority. Make sure people are not talking about that. And Texas announcing a full forensic audit is something they just can't hide. So they're trying to keep it off as long as possible. That's what I think. And I guess we'll find out if that's true. Now, this is going to be a segue that sneaks up on you. It won't seem like a segue, but then you'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess that was a segue. Here is an article today that was featured on the front page of Real Clear Politics. Now, Real Clear Politics is one of those websites that I 
check out pretty much every day because they try to present a bunch of stories from, quote unquote, both sides. And I like to see what kind of stuff is driving the narrative on a given day. And I'll click when there's a headline that seems interesting and not normal Trump supporters are terrorists and it's all a big lie nonsense. So I click on an article from a website called Project Syndicate, and it's project-syndicate.org. The headline is Facebook should ban more world leaders. And the author is Courtney C. Radge, R-A-D-S-C-H. The subheadline, in many countries, Facebook is one of the few alternatives to the government-aligned outlets that dominate national media ecosystems. That is why authorities have devoted so many resources to manipulating it and why the company must take responsibility for stopping them. Here's the article. I've been a professional free expression advocate for more than a decade. That's why I support the Facebook Oversight Board's recent decision to uphold former President Donald Trump's suspension from the platform and Facebook's new protocol whereby public figures may be banned for up to two years during times of civil unrest. In fact, the platform should go further. And she knows she's saying that because she is a professional free expression advocate for 10 years. Trump used his bully pulpit on social media to attack and harass news organizations, political opponents, and former political allies. He used it to undermine confidence in the 2020 presidential election, with a significant share of Americans continuing to doubt the outcome, despite the absence of any evidence of widespread irregularities or fraud. And he used it to perpetuate misinformation during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now let's pause right there. She says there is no evidence of widespread irregularities or fraud. That is either an outright lie or Courtney C. Ratch is too ignorant to be publishing columns. She also says that Donald Trump perpetuated misinformation about COVID-19. Which misinformation are you referring to, Courtney? Because so far... Everything that you guys, commies, I mean, called misinformation last year has turned out to be true. Hydroxychloroquine works. There are adequate treatments for the coronavirus. It was almost definitely, and I'm being responsible by saying almost, created in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, or at least processed through there at some point and then leaked or intentionally released as a bioweapon. What part of that is untrue? And of course, she won't say, and she's never going to say, because she's relying on the idea that everybody knows. Everybody knows Trump spreads misinformation. Everybody knows that the virus came from a wet market. Everybody knows that hydroxychloroquine not only doesn't work, it's actually really dangerous and there's no treatments, which is why the emergency use authorization is in place for the experimental gene therapy and for masks. By the way, masks are a medical device under an emergency use authorization. Don't forget that. 
with zero evidence of their effectiveness, masks are being mandated as an emergency use medical device. Does anyone anywhere believe that the bandana I used to wrap around my head to go to the grocery store in Los Angeles counts as a medical device? Seriously, a medical device, a bandana, or a t-shirt. Medical device. That's what that is, according to the science. Back to the article. In other words, with the help of social media platforms, Trump undermined the norms and institutions that underpin the functioning of representative government while increasing the coronavirus death toll in the United States. And he engaged in precisely the kinds of harassment and hate speech that social media platforms prohibit. Now, that is not in other words. That is an entirely different statement. Above, she accused Trump of spreading claims without evidence and misinformation. And in this paragraph, she said that Trump, with the help of social media companies, undermined the norms and institutions that underpin the functioning of representative government. There is absolutely no way she can say that honestly. And he increased the coronavirus death toll in the United States. That's interesting. Did he increase it more than the prohibition of hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for coronavirus? Man, that sounds like a reach. Yet for four long years, Trump was given a pass for this behavior because platforms deemed carrying his statements, however erroneous or dangerous, to be in the public interest. Facebook introduced this so-called newsworthiness exemption shortly before the 2016 presidential election. But there is a circular logic at work here. Oh, you don't say, Courtney, do you? World leaders are exempted from following community standards because their statements are, quote, newsworthy. But it is the incendiary nature of standard violating posts that causes them to make the news. What? In any case, world leaders, especially the U.S. president, can get news coverage whenever they want, simply by holding a press conference or issuing a press release. I love when she says, in any case, she's like, I'm going to say this stuff up front, but don't listen to that because that's just my opinion. But here's the real stuff. They can get news coverage whenever they want. That's what she just said. She said that in a world where everybody knows that the media cuts off Trump speeches whenever they want. They refuse to show Trump speeches. They take down his rallies and speeches off YouTube and other sites. So what she's really saying is that the media companies are being responsible for not showing Trump's speeches and the social media companies are being responsible for not allowing Trump to speak. But that's okay because he's the president and he can have an outlet wherever he needs it. He has the bully pulpit, remember? And that's true, even if we censor him off of the news and off of social media. She doesn't explain how it's true, but it's got to be true because she says it. 
The suspension of Trump's social media accounts after he incited the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol was clearly a step in the right direction. Twitter has since made its ban permanent, but Facebook left the door open for Trump to return to its platform. Facebook's oversight board upheld the original suspension, but took issue with its indefinite nature, arguing that the company should not devise rules on the fly and must develop clear, necessary and proportionate policies that promote public safety and respect freedom of expression. Crucially, Facebook's response must be consistent with the rules that are applied to other users of its platform. Except they're not. And she knows that. And Facebook does create rules on the fly. And Facebook's oversight board making these statements has no bearing on their actions in reality. And we know that just by comparing them. This is where the oversight board got things wrong. Yes, consistency should be a goal, but world leaders are not just any users. They should be held to a higher standard. After all, they can incite violence far more easily than the average Joe or Jane can. Moreover, much of what happens on social media challenges existing norms. In exceptional circumstances, exceptional decisions must be made. Got that? So Facebook doesn't have to abide by American laws, and they don't have to abide at all by the Constitution because, of course, they're private companies, despite what Jen Psaki and Joe Biden have admitted publicly that the government indeed works alongside the tech companies to make sure that this viewpoint is censored. That's not enough. They need to be able to do whatever they can to make sure that people like Trump cannot deliver their message to the American public because of safety. Trump's message makes us unsafe. Courtney's message makes us very safe. And she knows because she is a professional free expression advocate. But this logic must be applied more broadly. Trump is hardly the only world leader who has used social media platforms to incite and manipulate public opinion with the help of tools like computational propaganda and astroturfing. And while Facebook has acted against such abuses in countries like the U.S., South Korea and Poland, it has so far done little or nothing in countries like Iraq, Honduras and Azerbaijan. This discrepancy is no accident. The data scientist Sophie Zhang recently revealed that during her two and a half years at Facebook, she found, quote, blatant attempts, end quote, to abuse the platform by dozens of governments seeking to, quote, mislead their own citizenry, end quote. Yet Facebook repeatedly refused to act. According to Zhang, we simply didn't care enough to stop them. Oh, yes, that's the problem. Facebook is not on it enough. Beyond apathy, Facebook may have been seeking to protect its own business interests, which probably explains why company executives reportedly protected members of India's ruling uh, Bharatiya Janata Party. I hope I said that right from punishment for violating the platform's hate speech policies, even regimes that block their own populations from accessing Facebook, including China, Iran and Uganda are allowed to use the platform to their own ends. Well, this is interesting because she's upset that India's government, or I should say India's ruling party, that's who she's mad at, is the party in charge. 
they violate the platform's hate speech policies. I wonder if Courtney is ever going to note that the platforms violate their own hate speech policies and they allow hate speech on the platforms absolutely all the time, especially from the communist left who has no problem expressing their anti-Jewish hatred, even including members of Congress like the squad and their hero, Louis Farrakhan. And they have no problem whatsoever with anti-white hate speech. In fact, that's its own genre. And that stuff, that's just the best. Tippy top. Tippy, tippy top, you might say. Facebook's reluctance to act against such governments has had dire consequences. A statement by Alex Warofka, Facebook's product policy manager, notes that the company, quote, improved proactive detection of hate speech, end quote, in Myanmar and began taking more aggressive action against accounts set up to, quote, mislead others about who they are or what they're doing, end quote. By that point, however, Facebook had facilitated, facilitated mass atrocities against the country's mostly Muslim Rohingya minority group. Likewise, while Facebook removed the Myanmar military's official page in February for, quote, incitement of violence, end quote, it did so only after the military had overthrown the country's democratically elected government. Now, we've talked about Myanmar a bunch of times. Myanmar's military removed the government because the government, as Courtney defines it, had stolen the election the same way Joe Biden and the Democrat Communist Party just stole the American election. Following that, there were riots in the streets, just like the ones Barack Obama planned last fall. And groups reported on that violence and media organizations continue to call what Myanmar's military has done a coup. And keep that in mind, because we'll get back to it. Like it or not, Facebook wields tremendous power. In many countries, it is one of the few alternatives to government-aligned outlets that dominate national media ecosystems. For users, it is often synonymous with the Internet. That's why authorities have devoted so many resources to manipulating it and why Facebook must take responsibility for stopping them. She mentioned circular logic earlier. Facebook wields tremendous power, okay? One of the few alternatives to government-aligned outlets that dominate national media ecosystems. She's referring to state media. We have state media in the United States. It is our mainstream media. Our mainstream media is state media, and we know that. We see it, and they tell us. That media exists to prop up the Uniparty, the Davos agenda, and the global communism agenda at the behest of the CCP. This is what they do. The CCP pays for the media companies. And there is no doubt that the media companies have propped up and defended the illegitimate president. That's why they repeat that it's a big lie all the time that the election was stolen even though it's completely obvious that the election was stolen and the evidence is everywhere. But she's arguing that Facebook needs to be a place where information can go around the state media and reach the people. 
That's literally what she just advocated for. But she's also advocating for the exact opposite in this article, which is why the headline is Facebook should ban more world leaders. So either she is completely oblivious to the actual situation happening in America right now, or she's doing the bidding of exactly those people to make them seem like they are the ones who are bearing the brunt of the censorship regime. And of course, that's ridiculous. They are the censorship regime and they admit it. To be sure, regulators also have a role to play, but so far their approach has been deeply flawed. Some, including in Florida, Texas, and Poland, oh yeah, that other state, Poland, what is she talking about? Have been pushing in the opposite direction, seeking to prohibit social media platforms from removing content or accounts that are not illegal. <laughs> what? Regulators in the U.S. and the European Union are considering whether some elements of the Internet should be treated essentially as public utilities or common carriers. But overall, regulators need to focus less on content and more on platform design, advertising technology and monopolistic power. OK, so. If they're not focused on content, what did the whole first half of your article mean, Kami? How are you so confused? Oh, it's because you're supporting a blatant lie and trying to make it seem like it's not one. Got it. Thanks, Kami. In the meantime, it is up to Facebook to rid itself of genocidal militaries. Oh, now the Myanmar military is genocidal. That's what they're doing is committing a genocide. What are they doing? Trying to force vaccinate everyone. Government propaganda that targets and manipulates populations and leaders who block users. Oh, okay, cool. So did Trump put out government propaganda that targets and manipulates populations? I don't believe they did. What did they do? Hide Hunter Biden's laptop? Oh, no, that was you guys again. Did they silence doctors? who were sharing coronavirus treatments and sharing evidence that the virus did not arise from the Wuhan wet market and a natural origin. No, no, Trump didn't do that either. Did Trump silence the people who were sharing the Carter Baker Commission's findings that mail-in voting was the kind of voting most open to fraud. Did Trump stop that? No, 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 no. That was state media and the Democrat Communist Party, the very people she's defending right here. Interesting, interesting. Did Trump block users? No, no, that's weird. I cannot think of one Twitter user ever who was blocked at the behest of the Donald Trump administration or the MAGA movement, or the America First movement. I'm quite certain that no one in the movement, I mean, I'm not talking about every individual, I'm talking about people who actually speak for the movement. I'm pretty sure none of them have ever encouraged the blocking of any individual on social media. I have never, ever heard about an instance of that. If there's something I'm not thinking of, please write me and tell me. Maybe I'm missing something. 
but I spend a whole lot of time on this and nothing is coming to mind. That is not at all the same as what the Democrat Communist Party and their followers have encouraged. And it's not what the tech companies have done. The tech companies decided to censor Milo Yiannopoulos and Alex Jones. And it doesn't matter what their opinions are. She's making the point that governments should not be allowed to do that and that Facebook should step in and rid itself of the governments who do. Hey, Courtney, that's Joe Biden. The algorithmic intermediation of the public sphere by private for-profit platforms designed to maximize engagement and polarization has been anything but emancipatory. I mean, look at how these commies write. That is just an atrocious sentence. She's just like, let me throw a bunch of big words at them. Let me put emancipation in there. Then they'll know that I'm the righteous one. For many, it has been deadly. Oh, it's deadly now. The algorithmic intermediation of the public sphere by private for-profit platforms designed to maximize engagement and polarization has been anything but emancipatory. For many, it has been deadly. Deadly. People have died. People have died because the tech platforms have failed to stop government leaders. That is the thesis of her article. Governments, public officials, and political parties must face swift and severe consequences if they violate a platform's terms of service and use it to violate people's rights. How can she write these sentences and not understand who she's talking about? She is talking exactly about what the Biden regime is doing. Now, are you thinking, hey, didn't you say there was going to be a segue sneaking up on me? Sure did. You ready for it? Courtney Ratch, it says below, has been writing for Project Syndicate since 2018, and she is a former advocacy director at the Committee to Protect Journalists, okay? She is, I guess, very concerned about protecting journalists. What an honorable position to take. But then you go over to OpenSocietyFoundations.org. You know, George Soros's organization that funds every little commie group in the country. And... You go to the what we do section, go to the journalism section, and they have a beautiful little paragraph right down here that says our program on independent journalism supports both global freedom of expression organizations such as the Committee to Protect Journalists, Reporters Without Borders, and IFEX, as well as several regional and national press freedom organizations. That's so interesting. So the article says that Courtney C. Raj is the former advocacy director at the Committee to Protect Journalists. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. And Open Society Foundations says that they support the Committee to Protect Journalists. Well, 
shit, man, unless I'm really bad at reading, that's the same group. So Courtney Ratch was the former advocacy director, a professional advocate, you might add, of an organization funded by George Soros with an appropriately Orwellian name as all of the organizations funded by George Soros have. And knowing that, let's circle back to the article where she's talking about Myanmar and implying, hinting that Myanmar's military is engaged in a genocide. Okay? So, Myanmar's military deposed Su Kyi, who is a Clinton and Obama ally, who was, quote-unquote, elected as president of Myanmar. Su Kyi was funded by George Soros. The Myanmar military shut down one of the funding sources of George Soros in Myanmar. Su Kyi is facing corruption charges, among other things, for taking money from George Soros. Upon the military deposing the fake president of Myanmar, there were riots in the streets. What Rachel Maddow might call direct action. And what organizations were involved in that direct action? Well, I bet you'll never see it coming. They're funded by George Soros, just like BLM and Antifa, just like the Poor People's Campaign and Indivisible. Oh, wait, that's Barack Obama with George Soros's money, to be sure. And I've already talked on the podcast about how the organizations who are reporting on the anti-protester violence by the military in Myanmar are George Soros's organizations too. Isn't that amazing? And now we have Courtney Ratch, the communist professional free expression advocate, writing in favor of Facebook and the other social media platforms going further to censor the Trump point of view while implying somehow that Trump manipulated and used the social media companies to end other people's free expression, which there is absolutely no proof of anywhere. And it's not just no proof. There's just no basis whatsoever for saying that. That is some absolute bizarro world bullshit that she is straight up making up and understanding that her communist audience will absolutely believe it. So we have a Soros-funded communist writer making a pitch to the social media companies that they actually need to censor harder. And she is doing so at the behest of of George Soros, and in that article mentioning, inventing, I should say, a military genocide in Myanmar that overturned the fake election 
of a Soros candidate aligned with Clinton and Obama covering up for Soros funded riots and protests in quotes that are being reported by Soros funded organizations. And we're supposed to pretend that this person is a free expression advocate. How about that one? How about that journey we just all went on together? How about the fact that a Segway snuck up on you? That's not even supposed to happen. Segways are supposed to be obvious. You're like, oh, hey, yeah, these two things make sense right next to each other. I got you. Isn't it amazing? And here's just a word of advice. Take it or don't. It's up to you. But when you're researching stuff and you see an article as preposterous as this one, as where the, where the logic is just totally convoluted. It makes no sense. Like one sentence refutes the next sentence. It's, it's just unbelievable communist slop and propagandistic nonsense. Check out who the writer is. And when you hear about an organization that is telling you something, check out who that organization is. And here's another hint. A great way to do it is to type in the organization and then just right after that, type in Open Society Foundation. Search them together. And you will often find that George Soros paid for the organization that person works for. This is not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. This is how the media is abused into pushing the global communist Davos viewpoint into the public sphere. And it is a damn shame that real clear politics is reposting this garbage. But then again, if they had to get rid of all the stuff written by little Soros lackeys, they would have almost no content from the left. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Mastin lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. 
or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!